everyone, and welcome back to the Hit Podcast, Gen Zeal. We're so happy to have everyone and anyone joining us for episode three. Um, we're not going to do the same shenanigans like we did in episode two with that moment of silence, but uh, we'll just jump right in and I'll turn it over to Vahini. Yes, today we're joined by someone incredibly special and someone I've admired for years, Hannah Iqbal. Hanna is a manic playlist maker, avid stargazer, trusty Aries, and geographically savvy-ish. Hanna is a New Brunswick native since day one. She was born at St. Peter's and raised less than 20 miles from here, so basically there's no escaping the RU screw. Hanna is a fourth-year student at the Mason Grove School of the Arts at Rutgers, New Jersey, and an artist based in New Jersey. Welcome, Hanna. Hey, what's up? so excited to be here thank you so much for having me of course we're so excited to have you um i guess we should just jump into the rapid fire um my first question for you so i know that you have the sixth sense which is this bump and playlist you update every friday six love language the six love language sorry that was bad no you're that was good. fake <laughs> fake fan <laughs> not because i listened to it but yeah that was bad of me but um if you could curate a playlist to reflect Rutgers, new jersey as if Rutgers is its own like city um what would be on it like what would the vibes be um okay so i feel like i would go for something like super sporadic to show just like the diversity on campus like especially with like places like you can go from like okay ready passion puddle which is like cute fun flirty like good vibes right and then you jump to like any given Rutgers bus where yeah. it's like full chaos like fighting for your life <laughs> and then you go to like college ab right and if you go like a little further back it's like basement show scene mm-hmm. so like something I think that like encapsulates like the good and bad of like all of that that would be cute that would be fun I I'm even... gonna make that after as soon as I'm done with this I'm not even gonna lie please do we'll post it on the on the socials that that'll be fun I like don't even know though like what kind of vibe I would put for like Bush and Libby like they're so painfully irrelevant they're on the other side of the river I don't go there I'm not even gonna lie (laughs) I've never had a class in any of those places um so I guess they won't they just won't be represented (laughs) it's fine (laughs) they can make their own playlist it's cool (laughs) (laughs) all right our next one is um I'm so I've never even been to New Jersey, so I let Vahini take the reins on the New Jersey culture questions here. Uh, but if you were a bagel order, what would your what would you be as a bagel order? Um, hmm. I think I'm gonna play it safe with like an egg and cheese, but like on a freshly made bagel. Yeah. Like I'm a Jersey girl to my core. I love Dunkin', but like their bagels are ass. Like it's disgusting. It <laughs> has to be like. Freshly made bagel, egg and cheese, like that's the way to go. For sure. Dylan, have you ever had like a not like have you gone to a bagel shop ever? Yeah. Like, like I've gotten a bagel it? before. Like do yeah. Those outside of New Jersey. Um, we had this one place in, in East Lansing called Brugger's Bagels, which it's like you probably would like walk in there and like spit on the floor um but like for us that's all we had um but yeah I got this um it's probably like like this sounds like an abomination saying it but I'd always get this thing called the farmhouse where it was like a bagel and they would put like country pepper cream cheese on it and then with like bacon and eggs on it and it was like the bagel had hash browns on it too 
That's it was like, like a loaded. Lot. That's like loaded. Yeah. That's kind of sounds good though. That's no, like yeah, a, it was a lot of bagels. Yeah. Bahini, what's your order? Um, I like am like really simple but really consistent. It's like a pepper, uh, a pumpernickel, double toasted with like scallion cream cheese. Ooh, that sounds so good. And like okay, yeah. See, that sounds like a bagel that people who like get bagels like <laughs> would get. But, like a regular. <laughs> yeah, that's what a regular would get. Not the like farmhouse like <laughs> extra cream cheese like <laughs> monstrosity that I was ordering in Michigan. No, and like what's what's hard, and like Hannah, I'm sure you have like the same experience. Like there are like th- like there are bad bagels even at bagel shops, which is oh like God, so yes. disappointing. It, like, but like once you find your bagels, like your your designated bagel shop, like there's no turning back. My favorite pumpernickel bagel in New Jersey is an hour and a half away from my house, so like I rarely go. But like when I go, it's a, it's a production. It's worth it. Okay, our next question. If you could have any artist create a portrait of you, who would you choose? Oh, God. There's so many talented people. Mm. There's this photographer. His name is Moose Lamrabat. Lamrabat. He's a Moroccan, like, photographer. He is, like, insanely cool. And he does these, like, um, like portraits. He kind of, like, caps- encapsulates, like, Middle Eastern culture. But then he, like, pulls, like western um like imagery into them and they're like super colorful like high contrast so i think something like that like oh my god imagine being uh, i would be starstruck (laughs) (laughs) that is so epic villain if if you got a portrait like what would the vibes be i feel like you would get like the the like regal portraits like you would have a sitting like in, in the in the palace drawing room okay i'd either go that route or i would go um i was like um trying to rack my brain about who i would pick i think i'd pick hugo compte he's the per like he's the photographer who did um dua lipa's future nostalgia um cover art and he did caroline polochek's pang cover art so good i think i would go with like that kind of vibe like a little futuristic a little like otherworldly um but yeah maybe it's just because i really like him as a photographer and so i would just be like do whatever you want (laughs) I could see that for you. That's not, that's your that's your Gemini coming out. Yeah. That's your super. What about you, Vahini? I would want to go like super like I took art history and I would giggle so hard, um, <laughs> at like the early port because like they're so ugly but like funny. Like I just think there's oh like Victorian portraits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Vahini in like this like oval like baroque like frame with like a little dog sitting there. Oh my god, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. I just think those are so funny and it makes no sense like at all for me to choose that. It's like so anachronistic and silly, but I, I would I would have to commit to that. I think that's so funny. 100%. Maybe one day when we get to like the season three promo shoot, we'll just like <laughs> let Vahini like live her best life in the Victorian era. <laughs> Oh my god, you and I would look so silly. You know, like, that classic painting of that couple, and, like, they think the wife's dead in the green dress, and there's, like, a dog somewhere, there's, like, fruit somewhere. It's, like, an iconic painting. There's, like, a mirror. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, yes. Is that Van Eyck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that I know that, but, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think that style is so funny, because no one smiles, and it's just, like, very, like, like, it's funny. Yeah, Dylan and I are going to have to pull that off. (laughs) 
Dylan. All right. And our last one is, what is something about you that the five-year-old version of yourself would be impressed by? Oh, that's a tough one. I know. Because I'm, as a five-year-old, I was not impressed by anything. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> that's a hard question. Um, Maybe... I was impressed by everything. Like, oh my god! I don't know. Maybe like my portfolio. I hate to say it, but like I feel like she might find it kind of cool. Was like five year old Hannah into art? Like, did she know she was into it? Oh yeah, okay. full on glitter glue, crayons, colored oh. pencils. You name it. I was I was using it all. That's so sweet. Oh my god! Wait, I should try and find some. I'm gonna send you guys it. Oh, I we'd love that. Okay, I'm gonna try and find some stuff. I'll send it. Oh my goodness. Okay, wonderful. Um, I guess it's time to get into the real stuff now. Are you ready? Let's do it. We're like strapping on our roller coaster ride. I know. I'm kind of scared, <laughs> but like excited. <laughs> I love when the guests say that they're scared because it's like we're literally just asking you questions about no, you. You know what it is? It's like they're not even like hard questions. It's like how do you top the people that have gone before you? Like, there's no topping it. Like, <laughs> Everybody that's been on this podcast is like insanely cool. Like I'm just like wow. Oh my goodness! No, but that's why you're here is because you're also insanely cool. If you uh, think so. <laughs> well, let's just start with a basic, basic, basic question. We got to start somewhere. So, what is your definition of art? Okay. Before we start, I'm just gonna say a disclaimer that I am not. A professional in any means this is coming from just an art student so this people might even like disagree with me but it is what it is it's the art world um I think art is really just like an alternative form of communication like just you how you have like writing and talking and listening and like reading body language like I feel like it's just an alternative way to like spread a message or communicate a message um and you know that message could be you know, like activism or, you know, like scientific findings or, you know, um, like documentation, like anything along those lines. But I also feel like art doesn't necessarily also have to have a meaning. I feel like some people might disagree with me on this, but like, I feel like half of art is made with a kind of like an intended purpose or a message. But I also feel like you can make art just for like the sake of making art. Like it's very therapeutic. Um, it's a really great way to kind of like channel your thoughts um, into like a creative medium. Um, and yes, yeah, so I don't think it necessarily has to have a meaning. Just, yeah, I think I would just, that would be my definition of it. So something that I've always kind of wondered, and that's like really great. And I think that's kind of like segmenting us into this next point is like, I've always kind of wondered with like, especially like physical artists who have chosen like a physical medium for their art. Um, like, what is kind of your process when approaching creation? Um, is it based, like, oh, I have this, like, right now you're an art student. So, like, is it based in, like, oh, I have this assignment and the assignment's to do A, B, and C. So, this is how I think about I'm going to do that. Um, but, like, yeah, how do you know, like, at the end of the day, like, oh, this is this is my vision. This is what I want to create. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, and now it's, like, hard for me to find time to make, like, my own personal work. Um I think especially because I have like thesis and I have like all of these design classes that I'm taking. And so I kind of have to focus my energy there. But mm -hmm. like when I'm making personal work, I think I would say 
feel like it's a hard question because I'm, I'm very like I'm a procrastinator so like I will come up with like a really great idea and like sketch it down and then like completely like it will just eat dust in my sketchbook for like months um and I feel like I usually kind of gain inspiration and motivation like when looking at other artists um I think it's like a really great 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 way to kind of look at like approach art with like a different lens and like for example if I'm shooting photography I don't look at photographers I might look at like filmmakers and cinematographers and it is kind of the same thing but I feel like you kind of look at it from a different perspective which is like something that I apply into my own work or like if I'm doing design work I will look at painting like painting is not the same as design but I will like pull from like one thing and you um like apply it to the other um and you know and like finding artists that like I really love so like for example like one person that I love is Jatinder Singh He's a Punjabi Sikh um, painter, and he makes these really, really cool, like miniature, traditional, like mogul paintings. Um, and he like incorporates this like contemporary subject matter. So it's like you'll see this like very traditional, um, like Punjabi painting, but it'll have like Adidas or like Nike sneakers or like traffic cones or just like really like we like wacky subject matter. I think it's just so cool. So I think finding artists who are, you know kind of like breaking the mold um and they don't have to be like big I love supporting like small artists as well um but yeah I am like so excited that you brought that you said the things that you said like one with like crossing over mediums that inspire you um and then even like the artists that you chose to speak about about like mixing styles and like subjects because um when we first met which was probably sophomore year but I, I followed you for a lot longer than that. And I was watching your art and something that was super cool that I was like absolutely obsessed with what you do is like, you do a very similar thing. Like um, you have some art that's about you being like a Pakistani American student, but you sometimes will choose like super futuristic Western styles or like super like traditional Pakistani styles or like even just the way that you like translate things. I know recently you like designed that card deck that you know it's it's all like this big melting pot of like just mixing everything up and I feel like you do like this super cool magical thing where you like transcend all kinds of borders and like geographical borders borders of mediums bo like ev absolutely everything like nothing matters but that's what makes the art matter and I think that's super duper cool is that like I'm sure it's intentional on your part, but like, where does that even come from in your art? Like, where did that start? What, what inspired that? Oh God, my ego is like slowly rising. Like I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> oh my God, that's so sweet. Um, I think, I don't know. I feel like that whole spiel that you just did, like a lot of it is not intentional. Like it's just how I make, how I make things. Like, I don't know, it just naturally comes to me. Um, I actually improvise a lot like when I'm making things so like I'll plan for one thing and then it just will be like completely derailed by like another idea um mm -hmm. and I think that melting pot or like kind of that sweet spot is just like me like it's cheesy to say but like looking for my identity through art um which I think is like a necessary first step as an artist because I think while searching for your identity as an artist like you kind of also find like your values, your core beliefs, like what you um, 
I don't know, like your mantras, like anything along the lines of that, like you kind of discover while you're searching for your identity, which I think is what I've kind of done over the years. But now that I'm like saying it out loud, I'm starting to feel like it's starting to become like a little cliche. And I'm like, okay, I'm like a little bit done with this. Like I should probably move on to like the next thing. But I think it's it was like great in terms of like finding my style and like what I love to do. Um, but yeah. That, that's so funny that you say it's unintentional because I feel exactly like the like the professor or the teacher that's like what does this mean and it really means nothing but like yeah. <laughs> I'm meaning to things just fake it till you make it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but that's that's actually like super cool though because I guess that's what resonates with me about your art and I guess for everyone that's like open-ended um <laughs> that's that's so funny to me um because every time you do something I'm like ah she does it again <laughs> <laughs> she's got the people thinking she's got the people thinking <laughs> they just get me <laughs> that's so funny so um kind of along the same lines that we're talking about like Vahini being for a, a period of time now being exposed to your art. So when you set out to like make something to create something is the, the feeling that you want to evoke in the audience, is that centered in your creation or kind of what you were just saying before where you're just like, I'm just making stuff and like seeing what sticks. Like, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, what is that? What's going on with you in that moment? Um, so I would say, I think, Okay. I'll bring it out. So, like, most of my projects, I think, are kind of on the whim, like, not really a lot of planning. Um, so I don't necessarily always consider the audience. Um, but so, like, I really don't want to talk about my thesis, but it's, like, a really great example of this. Um, so, like, with my thesis, I have to consider my audience because it will be presented in a gallery space. Um, but the topic I chose is not necessarily for everybody. Like, I'm targeting my audience to be minorities in the US um, and like it's gonna be culture based. So I feel like most of the time I'm not necessarily, I mean, most of the time I do make work that I hope a lot of people like me can resonate with. Um, and maybe again, that's an unintentional choice that I made, but I feel like it is something you do have to consider because obviously it's viewed by everybody and some people will take what they want from it. Um, but yeah, I guess obviously you have to consider the audience. So when you don't consider the audience, is that kind of more or less liberating or like knowing that it'll be like received? Does that like provide some kind of like affirmation or are you kind of like nonchalant and like unaffected? Um, I think I'm okay with it. Like it is kind of selfish to say, but I feel like in order to be an artist, um, you do have to be selfish at times and like cater to specific communities that might not necessarily be represented or have a lot of artists that represent them um so in a sense it is a little bit liberating because it's like oh I'm feeling a little angsty I'm not going to cater to everybody today <laughs> like when I'm making mm -hmm. something um but yeah it does feel a little bit nice like when you just have that like smaller community of people that are like viewing it and they can like really resonate with it it's like very rewarding and I'm kind of curious to know, I think, like, when we talk about community and who's represented in art, I think in the United States in the 21st century, it's not a secret to know that, like, South Asian women are not seen as artists in the U.S. Um, I'm 
we all know that they must exist somewhere, but they're not really on the main stage. Um, so I'm kind of curious to know, like, how has that affected you, impacted you? Um, it's, you know, pretty, pretty dope that you go to art school. Like, that's super, like, exciting. But, like, I'm kind of curious to know, like, did it matter to you that whether or not you saw people like yourself or did you want to be that for other people? Or is this something that you completely had tunnel vision for yourself and said, like, this is just who I am and that's where this is going to take me? Um, I mean, like, when I was applying to art school, I say I would say, like, four years ago to, like, six years ago when I was in high school and I was, like, kind of considering, like, where I wanted to go professionally, um, I was obviously taking, like, art history um, classes and things like that. And, like, obviously when you look at, like, the college app – or not college app. Oh, my God, college board college board art history curriculum like there is no south asian women in that curriculum and so that's not something that i was like aware of at the moment it wasn't until i kind of started to build my portfolio and started to do like more research on people who are making art um that i realized that there's that kind of gap there um so it didn't really come to me then but i'm a little bit more aware about it now um and i think in terms of like fixing it is just I don't know. I mean, I feel like South Asian, there's, I know so many South Asian women like on Instagram who are like completely like thriving in that community. Mm -hmm. um, whether that be like illustration or photography and it's just like very, I don't know. It's like amazing to see like in such a short amount of time. I don't know. Maybe I feel like over the like last 10 years, I've mm -hmm. kind of seen that change a little bit and I can sure I can see like in the future, like the college board, like changing their, curriculum maybe by like a hair including maybe one or two we're feeling a little generous um but yeah I mean it is sad that like there was that gap but it's a little bit um I don't know I'm optimistic that it'll change in like the next like I don't know come the coming years so yeah, yeah Dylan you go ahead <laughs> um, no but something I was kind of wondering about is like I don't know. I just kind of, whenever our guests are speaking, I try to like imagine what it was like for them, like entering certain spaces, doing certain things. But I'm kind of wondering, what I'm wondering right now is like, what was it like for you um, going to art school in the way of like, in today's world, like, I think most people would consider art, they're like, oh, like all the arts in museums, like, any art that's like worth anything is like already been taking up. So like, what is your like, why? Like, what is like your why behind you, you creating art? Cause I think like in that why it like opens up the opportunity for more people who may not necessarily be, have a lot of exposure to art to understand like the individual behind the collective experience that is the art. Yeah, Does that I mean, make sense? Yeah, yeah, kind of. I'll try to take it down if I can. <laughs> um, the why. Because um, it's, like, my only skill set. I'm not even going to lie. All I know is creativity. Like, I'm, I don't know. I guess, like, ever since I was little, I've just been kind of geared towards creative, um, like, mediums. I feel like I've just been able to, like, like express myself the best there. Um I'm not like a great writer. I'm not a great speaker. So I feel like that was kind of like the middle spot where I could like take my time and kind of evaluate like what I wanted to say and do it in like a very unique means. Um, 
and yeah, like why I joined art school. It's a very good question. You should ask my parents. Um, <laughs> um, so I feel like I should also note that I'm also gearing more towards design. So even to me, it's like art and design, but I feel like to a lot of the people, it's just art. But I feel like design is definitely different in the sense that it's more like practical. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm definitely gearing towards the design side, but I also feel like art is definitely does have like a stigma it's like oh like just fine art like that's all you can do with it but Mm -hmm. I feel like you can also apply it to so many different fields um it's like very versatile like I don't think you could go anywhere without like art being like present in society Mm -hmm. like I just don't think it's possible um so yeah I think it's just my passion it's like what I enjoy which is so cheesy to say but it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) um no, that's perfect. And I think, like, for our listeners, I think I get what you're getting at when you say that you can't go anywhere without encountering art. But I think that that might be a new thought to some people. Like, can you break down what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, okay, if you can think of, like, any aspect of society, like, art and design, maybe not art, but design, which is kind of similar to art, is considered, like, when making it. So, like, if you're, for example... I'm just gonna start like screwing examples so like album covers album covers are like meant to market like audio files like music right like you cannot sell music without the visuals attached to it right another example is like I don't know like maybe like imagery or not imagery I guess like the biggest or um, companies on the planet right like Apple the amount of money that they spend on like creating like keynote events is insane and it's all art and design like advertisements keynotes like have you ever seen the um fka twigs video where it's that advertisement with the home pod or like whatever that speaker is called it's insane mm-hmm. like insanely cool and if you look at like the um like behind the scenes of that that's all like visual direction mm-hmm so, like, obviously, there's, like, technical aspects to it, but a lot of it, like, the whole thing is, like, a piece of art. Like, it's insane. I highly recommend you look at it. Um, another example is maybe even, like, marketing, like, political campaigns. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot go very far if you're marketing a, uh, a candidate who has a horrendous, like, branding identity. Like, it just, it's just, it doesn't, unless they're, like, very well-spoken and, like, very well-educated, like, I just think it's really hard to market someone because you are marketing, like, their candidacy. Like, that's a thing, right? It goes on to yard signs. It goes on to apparel. It goes on to um, website design. It goes on to, like, it just goes on to so many things. And it's, like, that visual identity couldn't be done without a graphic designer. So just, like, things like that. Like, mm-hmm. if you just, like, really question, like, how is design and art kind of incorporated into my daily life like it's literally in everything in clothing right like imagine if everybody was wearing the same clothes like that's insane to think but things like that and like I'm even thinking of like the really mundane like mundane mundane stuff like going walking into any law firm like someone had to say like this font looks good like for your for your you know logo or your letterhead or for anything like not everything in the world is like in times new roman 12 like yeah it gives a sense of like professionalism like you paid someone to get that done like if you walk into a law firm and the typeset is papyrus (laughs) like would you really trust that lawyer like if you're really talking 
yeah no and it's it's you're completely right in that it's literally like i'm looking around the my own bedroom and like everything has been designed everything like is literally in my room because i thought it was pretty at some point or like aesthetically like you know respectable like backpacks like water everything like it's it's funny when you were talking about like how much money goes into this stuff because like um there was like a tiktok on like hydroflasks and like they cost like a stupid amount of money like i don't really know the price but um the base like the actual water bottle without the logo you can go to the supplier of hydroflasks and buy the bottles for like a ridiculous fraction of the price but just because it has that little man going like we on it it like marks up the price significantly and like branding is so important to all of us um and so it's like really cool to like I'm glad that like you're vocalizing like the practicality and everyday presence of art um because I think a lot of us think about it as like oh yeah I listen to music on my way to work or like oh yeah I read but like it's quite literally surrounding us um yeah and I think like with design specifically and like as you were talking about like a lot of commercial products like Hydroflask, Apple I just don't I don't know if people are willing to give the designers or give the idea even enough credit that every single thing about what we're seeing is 100% intentional, especially when it comes to commercial design. Like every single ad that Apple puts out, even the video ones like are to the exact clip is cut to the exact point that Apple wants it cut to because it's, it's telling a story of their brand. Um, And I don't know, like, kind of going back to the other like examples of things um i was on tiktok the other day and i was learning about baker miller pink are y'all is there anyone here familiar with baker miller pink that story is crazy oh my god so it's like psychologists have somehow determined that baker miller pink which is basically the shade of pepto-bismol is like the most calming color which is like, you wouldn't think pink naturally to be like a very calming color. But when they found this out, I think it was like in the 70s where they they found Mm -hmm. out that Baker Miller pink was really calming. Hospitals started getting painted Baker Miller pink. Um, Drunk tanks started getting painted Baker Miller pink. And it was like, so it's like even the colors on our walls, there's like intention behind it. And I just think that that's like, when you start giving those things more credit and more validity that there's intention behind everything you're seeing you start to pick up on the art that is like subtly around us at all times yeah and it's cool because in that sense i feel like it's even like science related too like obviously Mm -hmm. color is related to art but it's also Mm -hmm. related to design like color theory is insanely cool to learn about because it applies like science and it's like the intersection of like art and science which is like so cool yeah. Art and science is probably my favorite intersection. I just think it can be it is so top tier intersection. Like, it that's is like a really really, it's a dope intersection. And like one thing, I gotta give a shout out to Douglas Residential College, because every year at a plenary they pull up some old white lady and like that's just for you to get a visual. It has nothing to do with the, the what you're about to hear. I just need you to like visualize this woman. Um and they pull her up and there's there's they alternate so there's one that like basket weaves the uh basket weaves climate change like um she like literally just like graphs climate change in the form of like this like straw basket and like the colors change and things like she took a course at harvard like for funsies and 
Same. She was, like, yeah, like she, like, like she, like I know, but I think it was literally for funsies. Like she lived in the neighborhood and like went to night classes. But like, um, the professor was like, "Oh, I need you to write a paper on this," and she was like, "I can't." I don't do papers and so instead she brings in like this six foot like woven like straw like analysis of the data and it's like so funny because it's real and you can conceptualize it and see it and then there was this other artist who um I mean everyone now loves knitting their temperature blankets which are like so funny to me um and they're like really cute on TikTok um like the yarn corresponding to the um weather and then another woman, I don't know where Douglas pulls these people from. I really don't know. They're like in the middle of nowhere, but like <laughs> they're really doing something. Um, there's this one woman who like composes music and I think it might be to climate change as well. Um, oh no, or like storms or water pressure. It's like some, some like combination of it. But like the thing is, is like when you look at data on a graph, it's ugly and it's weird and it's overwhelming. But like, if you have some like cello going like boom, 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 you're like, oh shit, it's scary. Like we got to pay attention to this. That's so true. I mean, it's like, it's a different form of communication. Like if, like prime example, right? Like a Mm -hmm. bar graph, like nobody pays attention to a bar graph unless you are like an avid fan of bar graphs, (laughs) which I don't know any, but like, yeah, I mean, exactly. I don't know who's a bar graph fan here, but like the bar graph, the bar graph fans have just stopped listening. Yeah, like, <laughs> they I just mean, turned this off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like art and design like works so well with that, right? Like, and it, I feel like it also makes the point clearer, or like it incorporates like a um, higher sense of urgency. So mm-hmm. especially with like climate change and things like that, like I can't name any at the top of my head, but I'm. Like, I've seen so many different types of visuals that just make, like, mm-hmm. are just seem so much more urgent because it's visualized. Mm-hmm. Like, a bar mm-hmm. graph just can't cut it. No. Because it also requires me to, like, process it, like, in a very different way. Whereas if you're, like, the music is scary now and it wasn't before, I'm like, oh, shit, it's scary. Like, I got, I just have to pay attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's just about, like, the intersection of, like, science and art. But um, in terms of the the scary, spooky music, um, that can segue me into my next question. But um, from your audience, um, whether it's present you um, or if it's you as an artist, you know, throughout your career, what is it that you want from your audience, whether it's something that you evoke from them, whether it's like the kind of participation you wish, um, like what kind of relationship would you like to have with your audience? Um, I'm trying to think of like in the sense of like when I'm viewing art I mean everybody views it differently but I'm like when I make it I always kind of cater to myself I'm not gonna be self I'm gonna be selfish here but um I think like for example like when I'm viewing art I'm a very practical person I'm not um like a wordy person and so a lot of it is just visuals for me and so if I can find something that will like stop me in my tracks and kind of sense cause a sense of like confusion or like it'll make me take a double take like wait what the hell like wait hold on I see something that I probably didn't see a second ago and it's like it forces you to kind of like soak in all the details like I think that's just the coolest um but then you have like the opposite side of the spectrum where people use like words to like in like insanely cool abilities and I wish I could appreciate it more but I don't know I think that's just the great thing with art because I feel like you can cater to so many different types of viewers um 
And, you know, before we were talking about um, art being a form of, like, messaging and you, you know, said that it can be an expression of emotion, it can be an expression of activism um, or, you know, anything that you would want to communicate. Do you think that's a responsibility of yours as an artist? Like, when you take on this role um, of an artist, do you have any kind of, like, social obligation or, like, what kind of space do you think you hold when when that's the hat that you wear? Um... Okay, so I would say, like, three. I have, like, three. I would give three responsibilities to artists. Um, I think the first one would be that it is not necessarily your responsibility to cater to everyone like you. Um, I feel like people feel pressured that, like, oh, I'm an artist. I have to speak for everybody who's exactly like me, um, which is not the case. It can be if you want it to. Um, but if it's not something you're interested in, I feel like you also have to consider the fact that even if you are not intending for it to be something that reflects people like you, it still will to some capacity. And so I feel like that's one thing you have to consider. Um, I think our second responsibility would be to call out like problematic artists. Like I'm just gonna name Steve McCurry. Like we hate Steve McCurry. Like (laughs) he's the worst person ever. He is a photographer um, who shot that picture of the Afghani girl, um, I think about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, like the green eyed um, mm-hmm. girl um, and like he completely turned her life upside down like she cannot even like live in her country without fearing for safety because she, he was inconsiderate and irresponsible and didn't consider like the culture that he was immersing himself in um, and he shot that picture it was slapped on the side of a magazine and now she can't even live I think she's in like Europe somewhere now like seeking asylum so I think just calling out people who are um, you know, like, just consider what you put out there. I feel like a lot of people just put things out there and they don't take a double take and, like, reevaluate, like, what they're putting out there before they do so, and it's just problematic. So just calling out people. And I think a third thing is to just be ethical, like, when you're making. So, I mean, obviously we're living on, like, a burning planet, so you have to think about, like, sustainability. That's now a thing that you have to consider, um, like, materials-wise. So whether it's, like, recycling resourcing from like small businesses and things like that but also um I think like in terms of research so like crediting people if you're um appropriating their work but also crediting them like while doing so um and then like I think so so, like for example don't be a Steve McCurry be a Rena Effendi so she is a Azerbaijani photographer um photojournalist as well Um, but she's also a linguist by trade. She's insanely cool. She's like my favorite photographer. She kind of, she shoots pictures of communities in like war-torn countries. Um, so like she uses her background in like language and is able to like communicate with these communities and like truthfully depict like what these communities look like. Um, and you would think that they look like sad or kind of melancholy, like but they're actually very like uplifting and very um, powerful because um, it kind of just shows like the perseverance of these communities. So I think kind of, yeah, I think just being ethical, like when you're creating art, like, I think she does like a really great job of doing that. I'm actually just curious. This is a side question. Are artists or those in art school, are y'all like required to take ethics classes or are there conversations of ethics or is that something that you've just grown to imbibe as you like engage with the like community that you're in? I think it's like a common sense or it, it 
is unfortunately a common sense thing. I feel like it is just something that should be taught because in the end it is a profession and there is a professional way to do something. Like it's not free for all, like you can't just do whatever you please. Um, which is like some of the sucky aspects of the art world is like things just go, things just happen like that. Like people just like put things out there without any filter. Um, but I feel like it would be really beneficial if they did. Cause I feel like unfortunately a lot of people like even like profit off of, off of other people's work. Like even like, I don't know, NFTs are like prime example of this, right? Like stealing other people's work and then like profiting off of it. So I think ethics should be taught, but unfortunately it's not. Um, that that's, like, super, like, odd to me that, like, but I guess it's also about the circles that I'm in and the art that I look at and follow it. They, usually the art that I'm looking at carries some kind of social message or, like, takes up that space. So, like, ethics of art hasn't really been something I thought about, um, until just now. But that's super, super interesting. Yeah. And I think, like, to kind of hammer in a point... Um, that I think you're trying to make, and this is my way of trying to confirm it. Um, it's that as an artist, you may not have, cause I think like when we see people make problematic art, um, a common response to that is like, well, it's art. There's no rules. Like it's like up to that person's interpretation. So I think like your rebuttal to that almost is like, maybe they don't have responsibilities as an artist, but at the end of the day, you have a responsibility as a human to like treat other people with dignity and respect. And so I think that's like, I think that's like what it kind of boils down to is like maybe in, maybe in art, there are no rules, but like there are rules of how we should conduct ourselves and how we should act as human beings first before we are artists before we are lawyers before we are anything else i mean it's, it's like sucky. kind of the baseline yeah. it's sucky that you have to like say that because it's like we're grown-ass adults but like it is like you something think that people you, would know you would think people know but they don't so you have to say it over and over again in case people didn't get the point the first and time. they're still not listening no they're not no. they're like no i did not hear that <laughs> um something that we've been at so for the past two weeks, we've actually, this was very unintentional on our part, but it worked out really well where we've been talking to um, artists of color for the first three episodes of this season. And so a question that we've asked all of them and all of you, you know, use different mediums, express different things. Um, but I, we've been kind of curious to know, like, your relationship with art, like, what do you think, like, being Hana, being exactly who you are, um, what have you given to art and like what has art given to you? I think I would say I've given art my perspective, um, something that hopefully other people can relate to. And I think something that art has given me is, um, what has art given me? A profession? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just, again, like a means of communication. Like I've, I've always been kind of like introverted in my entire life. And I feel like art is like just a really great way to kind of break the boundaries of like what I want to say or like something that I may, should have said in the past or like never did. Um, I think it's just, it's also kind of like added to like my problem solving skills. Like I just love like jumping from like one medium to the next. Um, and trying to figure out like, oh, like how can I use this medium and apply my own style to it? Um, 
and I feel like art just has all of those different channels that you can kind of like pick and choose like where you want to go and like what you want to say um which is pretty cool I think like something that kind of just clicked for me is like in school we always talked about like oh people are like visual learners people are like tactile learners or they're like auditory learners but like I've never really heard that concept applied um, and it actually makes a lot of sense as I'm like thinking about it in this moment that like I think it really applies to like the way that people communicate or the way that people feel connection like some people feel connection through visuals some people feel connection with Baker Miller Pink it's calming them down or <laughs> some people like really feel connected when they listen to music and like it's a connection through that audio and so I just think that I don't know I just like that's something that clicked that as a young kid I remember being like I remember being told like oh like you're a tactile learner so like that's like how you like learn best but it's like we're not really teaching people how like maybe what what way they communicate best kind of within that same lens so it's kind of cool yeah 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 definitely I mean like I feel like through art I've also like I'm a visual learner in case you couldn't tell but um, (laughs) like I feel like it applies to like other things I do on the daily which is like insane like I'm decent at directions because I will look at a map and I can just visually remember like oh my house is here if I go east there's Rutgers if I go north there's Bridgewater like it's just strange and like Mm -hmm. when you apply it to like math like I'm in no means good at math but if you like in high school like I was geared more towards like geometry right because that's like a visual kind of math in comparison Mm -hmm. to like algebra which is like um you know, numbers and letters and memorization and things like that. So I think it's just really cool. How you, it's like kind of affects how you act in like society and daily life. That is incredibly fascinating. And I'm not surprised just like the way that we're conditioned that we do nothing with this information. Like, <laughs> like it's like actually not shocking to me that like once like after your like one shot at elementary school where like someone does like an analysis or makes you reflect, we're like, okay, like cool, you know that about yourself, but we actually only do things one way. Like actually yeah, exactly. I was about to say, <laughs> then you ask like, oh, can we change the curriculum? Because like ninety seven percent of our class are tactile learners can we start to do some hands-on activities and they're like no 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 no. (laughs) don't get ahead of yourself that's actually so funny because like I think the thought of like sitting in a poli sci class or any class here and the professor being like what kind of learners we got in the room is so funny to me (laughs) like a tally oh my god um (laughs) oh my goodness um but back back to the task at hand. Um, but um, of course, like we when we talk about ethics and we talk about art, and you know, it has consequences, of course. Um, and that's because I think art holds a lot of power. Um, I'm thinking about the fact that like I was, you know, for a year of my life taking a bunch of like art history classes, and like to me, it was like really fun and thrilling because. I was fascinated by the way that, like, history was being told through art. Um, And it's funny because, like, art is a worthwhile way to tell history, that means. Like, it's, it's it's an effective way to tell us where we've been and where we're going. And, you know, it started a lot of stuff, it expressed a lot of stuff, and it meant a lot of stuff. Um, And so as art carries power, what do you think or hope the power of your art is or will be? 
the deep question. I would say, I think, so the significance, I think, of art in, like, activism is, you know, it, like, challenges, like, normal, like, everyday life, right? So, like, if you look at activism and art, like, throughout maybe, like, the last century, I feel like it's so significant because not only is it eye-catching, but it's also challenging, like, mm -hmm. modern-day society. Um, and so I'm in no way, in no means saying that my work is that significant to that T to like I don't know like change like an entire like country's perspective on something but I think it's interesting how it just makes you kind of question your own perspectives and has the viewer questioning their own perspectives I think just questioning is like very key um, in activism so I think that's like the first step right is just questioning like oh like why do I do this this mm -hmm. way this is all I've been taught when also this way kind of exists. So I think I would hope that, I don't know, my art maybe like has the viewer asking those questions. Um, Cause I think it is like very significant. It, it completely is. And like, I think the idea of questioning is so, 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 so important. And I'm thinking back to that class and like, I know that like modern art gets shit on a lot I freaking love modern art. Like, my, like, self-care day is going to the MoMA. Um, and I think it's because, like, to, at least to me, that's when art started, like, it was really doing something for me. And, like, I understand that, like, pre-1400s, art was still making those social statements and it was still doing everything that I am getting from modern art. But, you know modern art to me is applicable to like my current life it affects the way that I see things now and the world that I live in now um and it, it like beyond telling a story you're right it raises like hugely important questions um and like in that class like you know you're taught what kinds of questions to ask like why this medium why this perspective why this you know whatever um and when you find those answers you find so much more than just like whatever is in front of you um and I'm really excited for your art to have that power and I'm really excited to see where that where that takes all of us thank you me too cool. we're along for the ride now so another question that we um have asked artists on the show is if your work was to be amassed into one message or one truth what would you want that truth to be? I think to keep, just to keep making. I feel like just the act of making in itself is significant. Um, and it's really unfortunate because I feel like I see people who like make art throughout the years. Um, like even at Rutgers, like I, I meet so many cool individuals who make really, really amazing art. And yet you see it like nowhere, like it's like, how did you do that? I didn't even know you could draw or paint or do any of that. So mm -hmm. I think, which I do understand though, because I feel like in a sense, a, a, it is very daunting to put your work out there. Um, people are very judgy and that's the whole point of art is that, you know, like people are going to question what you put out there, but that's the whole point. Um, and then B, some people I don't think put art out there because that's kind of just a personal practice. So I do, I do get where they're coming from, but I think it is unfortunate that, you know, like, if people did that earlier, then maybe we would have brown people in the APR history. 
curriculum. <laughs> I don't know. It's just things like that. I think just, yeah, like keep making work, even if it's not amazing. Like the whole point is to just, like, I hate to say it, but like practice makes perfect. It's like the more you do it, the better you learn and the better you learn, like the more feedback you get from people and like how you can you evolve your work to ultimately become better and better. Um, and I feel like you can only do that if you share it like with people around you and like kind of celebrate it. And, you know, the idea of, like, keep making, um, this idea of, like, persistence, which I think, like, I think when we're in our own, I think everyone has tunnel vision when it's their own discipline or job or whatever their, like, thing is. Um, and I think, like, keep making applies to literally absolutely everything. Like, just, it, it's, like, I think it's a little bit different than persistence because it's the act of, like, moving something within you and like putting yourself into something um I imagine that like at least for me the thrill of whether it's I really enjoy writing but when I read the finished product I'm like yeah okay like like that's fine but like the emotion came when I wrote it like and the feelings I got to like experience came when I wrote it or um I like just love like playing around and like the creative cloud and like the process is what's enjoyable and thrilling and exciting for me and the end product of course is like it's fun to feel proud of something um but I don't know that I really like go back and look at stuff again and again and again I also um, feel like there's like one other point I would make is mm -hmm. like your work holds more power than you think because you were the one making it right and you're mm -hmm. just like constantly looking at it you ultimately get sick of it and then once you put it out there like, it holds a lot more power than you think, right? Like, Bahini, yeah. your infographics and everything on your social media is so cool. I'm like, how did she do that? That's so fun. I love it. She's literally a superstar. No, she's literally, like, a graphic designer. Like, I'm not even joking. I'm like, where's the portfolio at? Like, I'm really trying to... <laughs> She'll, yeah, like, like, send me stuff for the podcast to be like, oh, what do you... Do you like this for socials? And I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. And she's like, what would you change? And I'm like, literally nothing. Like... <laughs> Oh I'm God. getting I don't have any yeah. critiques exactly so I feel like people just need to realize that your work does hold power it's just you can't see it which is annoying but it is what it is so just live with it even um, if it makes people mad exactly. like it still held power in that moment it still exactly. evoked something out of somebody yeah. so you can at least rest your laurels on that exactly or it could just be catering to specific audiences exactly and not others yeah that's what I'm gonna start saying when when I have a tweet that no one likes. I'm like, it was just catering to a specific I'm audience. Catering to you, actually. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm starting to get a little like emotional because I've just enjoyed speaking to artists these past three weeks. Like, I don't want to talk to like, I don't Anybody know. This perspective is so much more enjoyable. Like, this perspective of life is just so much more loving and exciting. That I'm like, I don't know that I want to talk about. This. Oh my god, you should come to Mason Gross one day and do what. I've just like interact with visual learners. <laughs> I think it's that I think it's that art is like literally therapy because it's oh, like it yeah. a confrontation of the inner self of the emotion. Like that is yeah. like what all these artists have told us is part of that process. And so I just think it's like, dang, like they've been through it. Like they know. They yeah, exactly. like exactly. Like I've been through the trauma. You could see it in this photograph. Like yeah. <laughs> it's evidence right here. It's just so so pure and like vulnerable and honest and i'm just like this is like just talking about art is doing this for me so like actually like creating and like sitting in it is like its own its own level um 
But, Hannah, our final question, um, our big question this season, what would you say is your strongest conviction? And when I ask this, it's with the context of um, throughout our lifetimes, you know, people are always like, oh, like, you'll change when you get older or like, you know, whether that means, you know, we hear the whole like, you'll get more conservative or you'll see things differently or you won't be so idealistic. But what is a conviction that you hold right now? that you hope will remain to be something that you were that you hold the same conviction for um at any point in your life I think I would say I think focusing on yourself before focusing on others um so like when I'm making work I feel like I don't necessarily like I make work for myself um but it's usually to cater to other people and like hope like I hope that other people enjoy like what I'm making um but I feel like again like art is very meditative it's something that you can kind of channel yourself through and it not be something that everybody has to kind of experience um man that's a tough question that's like deep <laughs> yeah just to keep making like I, I feel like I keep re- reiterating the same points but like mm-hmm. just make some art make some damn art that's it that's the tweet yeah that's it <laughs> make some damn art kids <laughs> and that one i'm just i'm catering to all audiences like perfect. that tweet is for every audience <laughs> perfect uh, <laughs> wait before we close out I'm, I'm just like feeling so guilty so i like have to say this i know like dylan has talked about baker miller pink a lot in this i don't know if it's the same tiktok it does have calming <laughs> calming properties and like they painted like prisons and everything the same color and then later research showed that like the comic properties only last for max a couple minutes and then it makes you belligerent no way yeah it makes you really (laughs) it makes you really anxious and belligerent why did you leave that out i'm like scared that people are gonna paint their nurseries oh no 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 (laughs) don't start doing that don't start doing that i did leave that because i was just driving it was it was in connection to a point but yes please do not paint like a nursery fact yeah he's like you go everybody go crazy actually i just think that i was placed on this earth as an agent of chaos and so (laughs) i was just gonna tell people the awesome like uh, benefits of baker miller pink and i was just gonna let them figure it out after we had our art ethics conversation <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like i was like i have a social responsibility to like talk to to add this fact but little does everyone know vahini right now has a very pink sweatshirt on so Ooh. this has all been paid for by the baker miller yeah. um corporation <laughs> Uh, anyways thank you so much hannah for spending this time with us we were so thrilled to talk to you and learn so much for having me this is so fun oh of course anytime all right now let's go make some damn art let's do it let's do it (laughs) are there any socials you want to plug uh hannah.ic law or hannah.ic law that's the name that's the brand perfect you'll be tagged All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Until next week. Bye. Bye.